Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. Uh, so I learned the other day that there's like six or seven podcasts called Now We're Talking. So I, I, I guess I chose a very, very popular name for this. Um, anyway, this is episode 103 of Now We're Talking. And uh, for this episode, I want to talk about a pretty simple, pretty straightforward uh, persuasion technique or technique for persuasion called the feel felt found technique. Uh, this is a really popular technique in sales when they teach sales, but it doesn't just work in in sales. Um, it can work in lots of different lots of different scenarios. Uh, I don't love it, but it is useful. I think it gets at a certain key components of what we talked about on this podcast a lot. So it sort of makes sense that it's a functional or useful technique to to use. It's also really really simple, so it's just very easy if you want to try a new kind of technique of effective persuasion, you can try this out and it, it's simple to follow. Um, so the feel felt, feel, feel felt found technique is, uh, was designed as a way of handling objections uh, for salespeople. So uh, it's like when a salesperson is trying to sell someone something and, and there's obviously a problem, there's something sticking in the way, they're supposed to use this technique. Um, but I, I want to caution at the beginning how well you use it is actually the difference. You know, how you do it is more important than that you do it. And that's the difference between whether it works um, or whether it doesn't work. And sometimes it doesn't work. And, you know, a person who has an objection kind of sticks to that objection. Other times, if you do it right, the, the, a person who has an objection can kind of move on from that objection. Um, if you do it wrong, I think it can come across as really patronizing. And if you're patronizing, you're going to actually increase the resistance someone feels to something. Uh, so it can really backfire. Um, it's simple, but it can backfire, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so let's take a look at the kind of nuts and bolts of what the technique actually does. Um, and then like why it works the way it does. And then we'll try and unpack like how to do it most effectively. So the standard formulation is something like this. Uh, let's say you're talking to someone. So I, I was, um, I'm interested in in buying a car, uh, getting kind of gonna get rid of my car. I test drove a Tesla this weekend, uh, and I also went to look at Ford. And so in both cases with the, the salesperson, I was like, well, I don't really, I don't know if I want to right now. I don't know if the timing is right, or this is a little expensive, or I had an objection. Okay, so the salesperson, if they would have been trained in this technique, would have known. The first thing you do is you tell a person, in this case, they would tell me, I understand how you feel. And that's intended to tell someone that you've heard them and are able to empathize with them. Of course, I'm going to say later on how you can do that well instead of just in a kind of one-handed or off-handed way. But you, t you say, I understand how you feel. The second thing you do is you tell them about someone else who felt the same way initially. So the person doing injecting, let's say it's me, it's like, oh, the Tesla's a little bit expensive for me. Um, you tell the customer that they're not alone, or you, the salesperson tells me that I'm not alone. Um, someone else felt this way initially also, or lots of other people felt this way, et cetera. Then the third thing you do is you tell the, the person, um, you tell them how that person who felt that way 
found that when they did what you wanted or when they bought the Tesla or whatever, they got what they wanted and their initial thing, their initial objection was, um, was dealt with or moved aside. So for example, you could say, um, you know, I understand you feel that there are cheaper electric cars out there. One of our biggest customers felt that way at first. Uh, he ended up buying a cheaper electric car at first. But what he found when he tried the cheaper electric car was that they didn't factor in the cost of uh, these other things. And the cheaper car had other kinds of problems. And you wouldn't have those problems with this, with the Tesla. So, you know, I understand you feel that there's cheaper ones out there. We had this one customer that felt that way initially, but they, and then when they bought that cheaper car, they found this thing. So that's fine as far as it goes. And it can work, like something that simple can work. And like I said, the technique is really simple. Um, but there are pitfalls and it's important how you do it. So there are pitfalls, particularly if the customer or if, if the person you're talking to doesn't believe that you understood the objection. And here this gets us back to reflective listening, rapport building, all that sort of thing. So if you're, if you're not actually interested in the person you're talking to, um, and you don't really care about helping them or understanding them, then the person you're talking to is going to pick up on that. So when you say, I understand why you feel that way, there's a little voice inside the other person that says, no, you don't really understand that way. Or there's a little voice inside that other person that says, yeah, you know, this person really does understand that way. Um, if you say, I understand why you feel that way without having done any of the rapport building or reflective listening before that moment, you're likely to put up a barrier in the way of establishing a kind of genuine connection with them. If you haven't, if you've engaged in effective active listening and rapport building techniques, then when you say it, they'll likely think that you, you mean it. Um, so let's, uh, let's think of another example, um, where someone does this. So there's a famous example of a discussion between two participants. So in a communication skills course that I've seen before, there's a conversation part uh, where everybody has to do this discussion exercise. And these two people get paired off and they haven't even gotten started after a couple of minutes. And one of the people tells the other person that they are not getting anywhere, but it's not their fault because, and here's what the person says, Mercury is in retrograde. Apparently, Mercury is in retrograde is a kind of catch-all phrase from astrology, and it means something like, there's nothing I can do because the stars are against me. And often people use it to just give up on a conversation. Um, so what can you say? How do you use the feel felt found technique in response to that kind of like real barrier stonewalling problematic interaction from your conversational counterpart? There's really no place to go, right? So here's, and again, I'm, I'm calling on the earlier reflective listening and rapport building skills. So I can say back to that person, some people feel mercury in retrograde is the cause of all kinds of weirdness. So notice I'm not saying I understand. So the other person doesn't have that opportunity to question my sincerity. I'm also not saying some people feel mercury in retrograde means it's useless trying to do anything. And I'm not saying some people feel mercury in retrograde means there's nothing they can do. Cause that would just reinforce 
the other person's belief and that make the objection stronger. So instead, the some people that he mentions allows, the, the one person mentions, allows the other person to identify with that group. And that identification, and again, identification is something we've talked about on the podcast before, tells the other person that what's being said is relevant to him. So talking about other people feeling this way reassures the, the person in the conversation that he or she isn't the only one. And to an extent, it validates the way that person feels. And it's a form of what Robert Cialdini calls social proof, which we've also talked about before on the podcast. Social proof would tend to make that person feel more relaxed and open rather than being defensive. It would be even better if instead of saying some people feel Mercury is in, in retrograde is the cause of all sorts of weakness. It would be even better if I, if I said something like, yeah, I've got these cousins, like both of them really feel that Mercury in retrograde is the kind of cause of all kinds of weirdness. You remind me of those cousins or, so, or something like that. Um, the other thing that the phrase like, like this does, so some people feel Mercury in retrograde is the cause of all kinds of weirdness. The other thing that phrase does is it zooms out so that now we're not talking just about the one person as an individual. We're talking about a, bun a bunch of people. And this other person is part of that bunch. And that zoomed out focus gives some detachment. So it's not just about uh, one person anymore. And that's going to reduce the resistance to the conversation. Um, if there's going to be some change, that person will be facing the change feeling sort of, sort of alone. Um, and also what we've done is we've broadened out the categorization of Mercury and retrograde from being like a specifically a specific thing about an obstacle to our efforts um, to we've broadened it out to all kinds of weirdness. And that dilutes the power of that objection, that Mercury and retrograde objection. Uh, by saying, you know, after all, there are all kinds of weirdness, not all forms of weirdness are bad, and I've moved the focus away from just this one specific kind of weirdness that the other person's kind of latched onto. Uh, some forms of weirdness might even represent an opportunity, so that kind of recategorization opens things up for change, and we've talked about categorization and particularization on this podcast before also. Um, so, how did that work? Um, well, you know, it's, you can't read, and uh, you know, I'm not sure I can read the uh, one person's mind in the course of that conversation. Um, but I do know that the person in that conversation knew what framing was and knew how to reframe. Again, another part of uh, this podcast that we've talked about before. Um, so you you say you you acknowledge the objection but you reframe it and you reframe it as relating to a group of other people okay so what do you do next i know a lot of people felt that way until they decided to take charge of their future no matter what obstacle was present so as with any example of a feel felt found technique the felt implies that although they felt that way in the past they feel differently now um, so it's a change. It's a, te it's a technique of, of telling a story, essentially, that highlights a change. The way that many people try to use this technique, we're expected to believe that what the customer was objecting to or what the person was objecting to magically disappeared when the other people did what the person wanted or tried the product or you know drove the Tesla or, or whatever. That's quite a leap of faith to expect another person to take. Uh, so instead, in this example, the person says, no matter what obstacles were present, he's not claiming that the obstacles will disappear. 
And in communication terms, that's called like pacing the customer's belief system or the other person's belief system. But no matter what implies that even though they may still be there, they don't matter much anymore. So Mercury might still be in retrograde, but it might not matter much anymore. So the person went on. So I know a lot of people felt that way until they decided to take charge of their future, no matter what obstacles were present. And they found that no matter how much random weirdness occurred, it was still up to us to follow through on all our responsibilities and promises. There's that weirdness thing again. It's diluted by being associated with random. Now it's qualified by random. So it's not Mercury in retrograde malvolently kind of working against you anymore. It's just kind of random noise. It's still there, just like in real life. Not everything is, is kind of easy sailing. Um, but by not pretending that everything is going to be perfect in the future, that statement won't trigger the, well, that's just unrealistic objection. It kind of diffuses the defensiveness and objection. It can also help the customer to stick, or the person to stick with the more empowering belief that it's up to him to follow through on his responsibilities and promises when he encounters difficulties in their conversation or in some point in the future. Uh, that's sometimes called future pacing. Anyway, that, that's not so important. The point here is that the general form of feel felt found is, yes, you feel X and some other person or person felt that way. And when they did Y, they found Z. This is only powerful and it's only going to speak to the person if the Z is something that they want or they care about or they believe in. In this case, the person presumably believes that they should follow through on their responsibilities and promises. So notice how the Z in this one was something people could pretty easily agree with or want for themselves. Um, otherwise, what they're doing on a personal, you know, what are you doing on a personal in a communication course? <laughs> like, you know, why would you be there? Um, so anyway, uh, I get it on the surface. It's like a difficult example because the it seems like a contradiction. Someone that believes that Mercury and retrograde can prevent you from making things happen. But at the same time, that person uh, is, is at a class to trying where they're trying to change things and then resisting to the exercise of where they're trying to practice changing things. Um, anyway, the, the cleverness of the person using the technique involved um, really effective active listening, uh, the use of identification, and then the use of reframing. All of those things were, were present. So I think in order to craft kind of the feel felt found patterns effectively, I think you have to accurately identify what it is that the person is feeling or believing. And again, that's about active, active listening. You also have to identify something else that the person wants or believes that's just as empowering or just as useful. And that's what is ultimately found. Like you're finding something for them that's more useful than the thing that they're feeling in that moment. So effectively what you're doing in terms of communication is that you're building a bridge from the objection to a more useful expectation. Um, so the belief or the desire in that kind of found section has to be important to the person for the pattern to work. And they also need to acknowledge that you understand where they are at one moment. So you're building the bridge for them, but they have to believe that the, the other side of the bridge is something that works for them and that you've met them on their side of the bridge. 
if they don't value the thing on the other side of the bridge, if it doesn't carry any some kind of emotional charge, then this the technique's not going to work. Um, another kind of tip for or thought about strengthening the found part of the of this communication pattern uh, is to personalize the found example with like real life statistics and figures that are relevant to that person, so that they can form a kind of clear, sharper picture of exactly what they gain if they go in the direction you're trying to lead them. Um, so that kind of found pattern, I guess the, the found part of the feel felt found technique is about, um, identifying, uh, what we've talked about on this podcast before, but like areas of commonality or areas of value, um, areas where the, the person clearly has some values that matter to them and that kind of relate to where you want to, wanting to go with them. Um, okay, so the feel felt found technique for persuasion, it works because um, it diffuses defensiveness by um, or through or with the kind of active listening rapport building that we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, so it diffuses that defensiveness, it lets it makes the other person feel heard and seen. Um, it then it uses a what's called a rhetorical example to um, to suggest the possibility of change for that person. And then it reframes or recategorizes or changes the person's perspective to uh, in another direction. And it kind of leads them in that direction. Um, it's still a direction that they value that I think is important, but it's a different direction or, or value or, or place them from where they started. So. It's a, it's a technique of persuasion because it's really able to move people. And oftentimes it moves people past objections. I, like if there's someone making a strong objection, this is a good offhand technique to alleviate that objection or take them out of that kind of defensive, uh, defense, defensive position that they, that they find themselves in. Um, okay, so that is it for episode what, 100 and episode 103 of now we're talking that's the feel felt found technique like i said very simple um try it out if you can at some point and see how how it works see what effect it has on on other people generally it it can work to have really positive effects so thanks everyone for listening i'll be back shortly with episode 104